Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Cameron Poe to my caster, Troy. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, I just, uh, you can't put this money back in the box, man. Yeah, well, I'm about to face wipe you in real time. And our <laughs> our very own Terrence McDonough. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you? Wow. It's, we finally referenced the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> bad, bad lieutenant port of call port of new call. orleans what a, what a 20 name. year delayed sequels to what, what a name for a movie yeah, exactly they really they really went in on this one uh it's 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 Werner herzog though so you know it's good it's it's probably got a real grim world world view um i actually haven't seen it but i've this heard it's movie not bad takes actually. place in a desolate wasteland I think it's a pretty only somewhere between your mind and the I mean, post hurricane has... Katrina situation in the city of New Orleans. It has eighty six percent on the, the the critic tomato meter, but only fifty seven percent with the audience. That that sounds about right for Werner Herzog. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say that's hitting the numbers right there. <laughs> it's not it's not your typical Werner Herzog movie. I mean, if you've watched like uh, what his old. Uh, uh, I wonder what made him want to make this movie. That's like, like I'd love to dig in with Werner Herzog and be like, why this? Exactly? Honestly, I'd love to just dig in with Werner Herzog if we're being honest about things. It's <laughs> yeah, true. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to this today. We're going to we got the draft Thursday. It's happening. We've done like mock drafts for a couple weeks. We'll probably now. even we're not gonna, see a pick on Thursday. We're not going to make you listen to another mock draft. I, I'm showing mercy in that regard. But <laughs> But I wanted to go over kind of the uh, the Seahawks. So um, every year you can invite pre-draft top 30. You can invite 30 players to your facility for like private workouts, interviews, stuff like that. Generally, this information does not leak unless uh, like an agent leaks it or the an excited D3 player posts it on their Instagram reels, <laughs> <and stuff. laughs> which, which you're going to see a lot of that right here. So um, so. Yeah, they, some players in the past that the Seahawks have taken in the in that have done top thirty visits like L.J. Collier, Malik McDowell, Frank Clark, Riso Diambo. I mean, these their players definitely come that come in for these top thirty visits are on the radar. This is not like a smokescreen by the Seahawks to try to get people thinking they're going to take someone they're not. They really do want to take a look at these guys, do some physicals with them, some really in depth interviews, see what they got. So let's talk about. Some players that the Seahawks brought in for top 30 visits. You guys ready? Yeah. We're ready. All right. Start off Desmond Ritter, the quarterback from Cincinnati. Uh, he's been a kind of rising up draft boards. I think as you watch these quarterbacks, you start to real the from this year's draft, you start to realize that Ritter is by far the best processor out of all of them. Um, he's able to go through progressions much more quickly and make decisions faster than any of the other quarterbacks that are at the top of this draft. Um, he's fast. He runs a four five two forty, but actually didn't run a lot in Cincinnati because, like I said, he was processing. His offensive line ruled, so so he didn't have to run very often. Um, yeah, I would so, say yeah. the Mariota comparison as a runner is a good one, where he's got kind of straight line speed, and if he chooses to take off, he can like gash you for a quick run inside. But he's yeah, and, not a traditional what you think of as a scrambling quarterback. And a lot of people say Kenny Pickett is the most ready to run an NFL offense. I disagree with that. I would say Desmond Ritter is the guy who's most ready to run an NFL offense right now. Um, of these, of these. What do you say guys. that? Well, maybe Carson Strong, but he's 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 kind of a, a special case. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, what do you think Desmond Ritter is the one that's ready? 
because he does things that the, there are little things that quarterbacks do that that make that make them um, NFL ready. Um, so like going through your progressions, mm-hmm. like like Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Let's use Kenny Pickett as a counter example. Kenny Pickett, when he goes through his progressions, he reads the makes the first read. And then he starts running. That's 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 progression number Rookie two, mistake. Uh, which is, you know, Colin Kaepernick, right? That's like the, the classic Colin Kaepernick style thing. Uh, Ritter does not do that. And the thing about Pickett is when you watch his tape, you expect a guy with 50 starts to be going through his progressions pretty quickly, right? You'd expect him to be like, boom, 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 one, two, three, four. Uh, but no, the guy who does that is Desmond Ritter. And one thing Desmond Ritter does that's really clever that uh, I guess new is he he manipulates the defense while he's in the pocket. Yes. Another another really thing. Really good eyes downfield. Another thing that good quarterbacks do that other guys don't. Now, why did this leak to Albert Breer? That's the question I had because obviously I think the Seahawks would want to get Ritter at forty, right? That's that's their thing. Or mm-hmm. trading back into the end of the first round, maybe trading a second this year and a fourth next year to get up to thirty-two to get Ritter. So why is this leaking? Because Ritter's agent wants him to go in the top ten, <laughs> and so so Ritter's agent leaks this to Albert Breer and says, "Hey, you know, um, Desmond Ritter, he had a the Seahawks are at nine, and we went we went in for a top thirty visit with them." And then now other teams got to think in the back of their head, well, dang, we wanted Desmond Ritter in the second round. We were hoping that, you know, Pickett, Willis would be the guys that go first. If Ritter's going to go first, what do we what do we do? We got to trade up ahead of the Seahawks at nine. So their hope is that some team that loves Ritter, Saints, uh, that 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 wasn't going to use a first round pick on him now feels pressured to get into the top 10 and get Desmond. Yeah, or at least Uh, maybe uh, some team that thinks maybe – a team that's picking in the late first maybe tries to have to move up to like pick 20 or 22 or something like that to be able to get them. Now I, I've said a lot of nice things about Desmond Ritter. Kevin, what are the downsides that st- um, might be st- that, that, you know, we probably both give Desmond Ritter a similar grade, a second round grade. Uh, why, why is he not a first round grade? What are the problems? Uh, so the big issues I have is that, when you watch him, you can look at tape where he is going through all of his progressions, keeping his eyes downfield. Um, he has navigates the pocket really well, uh, and he can work the deep middle and the deep outside of the field. And then you will look at plays where his footwork is complete garbage, um, and the ball placement just goes everywhere. So you'll see situations where instead of uh, setting his feet for a pass, he'll kind of do one of those like stutter step. Um, like throw on the run where he's moving up in the pocket, doesn't set his feet and then flutters one. And so he's throwing with all arm and all shoulder and he ends up being short on it or, and his, and his arm strength is not good enough to justify that kind of. Yeah. He's got a good arm, but not a great arm. Yeah. And I, I agree. Accurate. It's, it's 100% accuracy issues. It's, it's the thing that, 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 uh, when the accuracy's on, he is as good as any quarterback prospect I've watched in the last couple of years. Like he's, when he's on, it's great, but his accuracy comes and goes. And yeah, like you said, there's some mechanical issues there. And also just, uh, he, he sometimes though, he just threads these tight, tight window passes in there that you're like, wow, wow, that's the good stuff. Or the receiving <laughs> talent wasn't like excellent there. Like Alec Pierce is his best receiver. Alec Pierce is like a straight up like slant slant go post guy. And he'll just put the ball on him deep and make it work. Uh, So, yeah, he definitely has like these plus plus passes on tape. But for a guy who's been a three year starter, I, I would like to see more consistent footwork to have more consistent ball placement. Yeah. 
Um, Eric, did you watch any Desmond Ritter? A little bit. Um, I, it's, he kind of reminded me, remember how excited you were about Teddy Bridgewater? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was, and not, not in a bad way. I, I'm not trying to be like, uh, Nathan, like Teddy Bridgewater. And he's just, Hey, if regular. you would have ripped his, const- uh, uh, prospect. If, 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 if Bridgewater doesn't rip his knee open in like year two, yeah. I think that he, his career is totally different, but I, yeah, that you can pretty go brutal back at, injury. Yeah. Back at injuries and young players, especially quarterbacks, um, you know, it does affect them. But yeah, I it's one of those things where I don't think it's someone we want to take early, you know, pick nine. But then again, everyone starts to panic in the NFL draft. I'm excited for the Seahawks on the NFL draft, but I'm also excited to watch everyone go crazy because someone is going to jump up or someone's going to take someone you didn't expect. And then everyone's going to go, oh, no. And that's my favorite part of the draft. I just hate having and it to could wait. be and it could be like Desmond Ritter at six. Yes. Right? And, yeah, I and then I got to wait. Kenny Pickett at six because 15 uh, minutes Rule liked him in college. Yeah. Then I got to wait 15 minutes to see what the Panthers are going to do. Um, so yeah, it's, but I watched a little tape and I think he's exciting if we can get him late, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like two, like second round. Yeah. Beginning of the second round or like the last pick in the first round trading back in, I think would be both great spots to take Desmond Ritter. It's so it's worth the risk, you know, obviously at 32, it's a little bit of an overpay, but you're paying for that fifth year option. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, Okay. The next guy, uh, there's no official word of this, but the people have said on Twitter that Ahmad Gar- Sauce Gardner came in for, or it was they like, planned on bringing him for a pre-draft visit. Um, it's a very Seahawksy prospect. <laughs> uh, fast speed, big, long, aggressive, physical, good ball skills. Uh, didn't get targeted a lot. Which if is, they you know, didn't Seahawks bring him in, it's only because they saw everything they needed to see already and talked to him at the draft or at the uh, yeah. combine. If Sauce Gardner is available at nine, the Seahawks will pick him, or or they will. He's he's definitely an option. I, I think there's very few guys they would pick over him. How about that? That's fair. Uh, I agree. May, maybe two or three guys. Like what guys do you think the Seahawks would take over Gardner? Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ikikwanu. Thibodeau. You think Thibodeau's ahead of Gardner on mm, their board? Probably, but that's pretty close. I think they value the edge rusher over the corner though, because they know they can develop a corner from a later in the draft spot. Eric, what do you think? Saucer, Saucer, Thibodeau. Uh, where, where do they put your head in? Remember, you're Pete Carroll, oh, yeah. you're John Schneider. Well, then, then we're trading out and not getting anyone we like, and we're going <laughs> to grab a linebacker with our first pick. Um, I think honestly, oh, I'm going Sauce Gardner. Lloyd. Okay, yeah, just because I don't know secondary. I think I want to believe that Pete just loves the secondary so much. We always talk about you know manufacturing pass what? rush they're still bringing guys in so i'm going south what, what happens what happens to what happens to dj reed if we draft sauce gardner like do, does he slide in by, ahead or behind trey brown like is that, that's that's an interesting question for me because trey brown look he flashed last year in the limited action um seems like a really good developmental it prospect. seems like another compete situation Ooh, yeah. DJ, reed? Is, dj reed slots in on the jets <clears throat> oh wait, no, no, not DJ. Reed. I knew exactly. Who's our Sydney Jones? Sydney Jones. That's what I meant. Why oh is, my gosh, why did I do that? <laughs> right before no. Kevin said something, I was like, "Wait a second, I think you mean Sydney Jones." Sid- I meant Sydney Jones. <laughs> I think Sydney Jones is great as a flexible. Like, if he's our Akeem King, that's awesome because that's a so, guy that so, I can very easily trust to play. You think the Seahawks would like clearly just it's brown spot to lose kind of thing, it, or he he starts the competition with a with a head with a five yard head start kind of thing. Yeah, I think unofficially he would. 
I, and I, I just I think in general he'd probably outcompete him unless unless we end up playing him in the slot. But I honestly think he plays better outside than in the slot. All right. Um. So then we had. Uh. Sorry. I I had the pronunciation guide up and I lost it. Boye Mafe. Boy. Boye Mafe. Mafe. Yeah. Okay. So this he is. Uh. He posted on Instagram <laughs> that he <laughs> that he flew into Seattle on April twelfth. Uh. Yeah. So. This is a an edge edge slash uh, three. What, what, where do you think this guy slots in? Is he's, he's edge, a three right? four edge? Yeah, three, three four outside four. linebacker, pass rushing specialist. Okay, and then uh, people think that he could develop into a base end, but I don't. I don't think that's a part of the Seahawks offense. If you look the pre draft presser, I mean, Pete straight up said we're moving towards three four concepts. It's a hybrid three four. He said it's similar to things we've done in the past. What, what is that even? It's an NFL mean? defense. <laughs> it means We're, using a linebacker at DB and using a DB as a cornerback. That's what that means. <laughs> defensive line, <laughs> d- uh, the defensive tackles will be dropping into coverage three or four times yes. a game. So for people, We're only rushing three. So people that have been listening to all of our uh, um, like draft talk. Boye Mafe slides in right there with like Arnold Epichetti and Nick Benito, um, but he's a bit more of a high end uh, athlete. And has a little bit more size that tells you he'll be able to stand up in the run game better. Um, his like uh, physically, he's pretty similar to Daryl Taylor, and uh, he's Did you- really quick, very fast, uh, good first step. He's a little bit older, but he also had kind of a late start to football. Uh, so, did you see his relative athletic score, Kevin? Uh, I did not. Just guess. It's out of ten. What do you think it is? Nine point five. Okay, Eric, do you got a guess? No, 9.6. It's, it's 10. Okay. Yeah. He's the highest He's like the highest rated linebacker for relative athletic score. He was uh, 95th percentile height, 99th percentile weight, which put which already puts him uh, you know, in a good spot if he can do good in the other drills. And then 92nd percentile vert, 93rd percentile broad, 95th for the 40. His 10-yard split was 96th percentile. Like this guy, this guy is a, an elite athlete. Now here's the problem is that the guys with the similar scores to him are like guys I do not know anything about. Alvin Dupree, Martez Wilson, Aaron Patrick, Lorenzo Carter. So I mean may, he is very athletic, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything if he can't put it together on the football field. And he he did underperform a little bit considering his athleticism, right? Uh, he had what four and a half sacks last year, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just he's he needs he'll need work, uh, but the athletic skills are there. So yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see uh, that it is a guy that put this on my radar. All right, uh, Rashid Walker, offensive tackle, Penn State. Um, you right. scout him so, at all? No, I did. I mean, I mean, Ooh, I did. Of course, I, I did, did after I, I did after I made this list, but okay. like, not no deep scouting, really. So, what do you got, Kevin? Uh, so, uh, we uh we lost a former Big Ten uh starting offensive tackle who um was like fringe athletically capable of playing tackle in the NFL. So apparently, we're bringing in a visit with a fringe athletic offensive tackle from a big 10 school um Rashid Walker uh like he's got like the size and length and everything that you want from a NFL left tackle but he just doesn't have um the athleticism so he's probably just a swing tackle um yeah his 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 RAS was like a 7.6 I looked that up 
Um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's fine. Like I I think people are saying projecting him third, fourth round, and I think like if you could take a shot on a guy if you really believe in his skills as a as a as a blocker, and then if um, we're looking at him to be the new Jamarco Jones, <clears throat> I'm okay with yeah. that because that's we're like. He's- he could be better than than that, I think, but he doesn't have the he doesn't have the athleticism to play left tackle. He's probably a, a right tackle. Mm-hmm. And you could do, you could uh, he has the size though that would be nice out there. I don't know. It's it's a it, it's a nice interesting mid round prospect. Yeah, I pick one oh nine or later. Like if we got him with one of our two picks in the one fifties, I'd be like, yeah, that's a solid use of a pick. Um, yeah, he, he'll be he'll be in a in a dog fight with Jake Curran for that right tackle. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, uh, sorry to bring up. Sorry to bring up our tackle depth again. Okay, Cam Cam Taylor Britt, uh, cornerback out of out of Nebraska. Uh, I looked up his stats. He has a ton of passes defensed. Uh, so uh, he he was an active player in the in their secondary. Thirty one and a half inch arms on the shorter end, five foot eleven, but really fast. Four point three eight forty yard dash um is this a guy that you where do you expect see this guy going in the draft kevin and what skills have you seen uh he's gonna go a lot higher than i like him he's probably gonna be a day two guy i like him okay as a day three guy because his athletic profile is really good he came on my radar during the senior bowl uh uh when i was looking at one-on-one drills and he like looks the part and he has great makeup speed um and then he is super over aggressive has a tendency to gamble hard on the ball. And so I'm not surprised that he um, has a lot of pass breakups, but he also will just flat out get burnt like badly. And when I watched tape of him, I saw it repeatedly. Um, He works best in zone, but he did a lot of spot dropping, which you don't really do in a lot of NFL coverages at outside corner. He's physical enough to press but then he struggles with like mirror if they can get off of his press. Uh, he's kind of developmental. He's a really good tackler. He could play slot or outside corner because he's both like bursty and has long speed. Um, so I understand why teams would be super interested in him. Uh, I don't like players that will just get flat beat hard. And he's a guy who has that on his tape a lot. I, when I, looked into it i see him as they would bring him in if they wanted to do a uh a like a how do i describe this like a slot corner prospect yeah like if they want if they wanted to try to develop a slot corner behind the the starters then then that's that's what i think that that they'd bring him in but i'm not gonna spend pick 72 on that and i feel like he's probably gonna be gone by 109 yeah i i would tend to to agree with that okay um, let's go next to Cole Strange. Oh, and big props to uh, Seahawks Maven and and then this this Twitter thread I found that for for kind of collating all this information and making it easy for me to find that all at once. Uh, okay, uh, Cole Strange, guard, center, Chattanooga. Um, they brought him in. He's 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 big for uh for a center. I, he played center in uh, at Chattanooga. So he played guard you... at Chattanooga. He played center in all of the uh like senior bowl. I think it was oh. an East West Shrine Bowl guy, but he played left guard primarily at Chattanooga. Okay. All the pictures I saw of him were him playing center. That must mm-hmm. be from the the Reese's the Reese's Cups senior bowl. Now people see him as a, as kind of a day 2 prospect, right? Um 
pretty tall, 6'5", 307, 33-inch arms. Um, so he's he's touted as intelligent, tough. Uh, sh- uh, Football uh, words, lots of football words. Yeah, it's like it's like he gets he gets all the 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 the, fo- the football. He's a words. dancing bear. He's a football playing Jesse. He really brings his lunch pail to every. Okay, first He's a coach people in, last out. A lot of a lot of the a lot of the scouting reports I've read though they it's like talk, oh so he's white. <laughs> they talk about how he kind of gets pushed around a little bit, how he can do, but then his athletic testing is really good. So do you th- is this more a technique issue, Kevin, or do you think it's a it's a play strength issue. What do you, what do you think? So I did actually watch some of his tape and um, I think part of it is he needs to add a little bit of lower body bulk. I think that's also the reason why he profiles better at center than guard. And he's also a better fit for a zone than a gap scheme. Um, well, we need a center and we play a zone scheme. So that seems good. He's got a really good first step. Uh, he like, so in blocking, you're either doing um, like a kick slide, like what tackles will do where you kind of, your first step is uh, going backwards and then you're extending your arms to uh, to punch at the defender or you are doing a quick set which is where your first step is lateral or forward and then you're uh, basically bench pressing the defender and then using your length to push them back um, he's really good at that quick step and then uh, getting his hands on he plays with really good leverage but he has a tendency to uh, like grab and pull instead of like punch and extend. And so he needs to work on some of that hand technique and working with his uh, his hands and his feet together at the same time. But if he can, like his athletic profile is really, really good. He's the kind of guy who could be a super dangerous like pull blocker. Um, he was able to handle the best pass rushers at the senior bowl. Like I saw him go against Travis Jones, who's a really big guy. Uh, um, like one tech and he was able to handle him. He was able to handle uh, Wyatt out of Georgia as well as anybody was. So I think that he's a really interesting prospect. He's a little older. I think he turns 24 next season, but coming yeah, from a small that, school, that's not uncommon. That's, that was my big thing is this guy's pretty old already. And so he would need to come in and start contributing immediately. Like the same way we hoped D Eskridge would last year. Uh, makes him kind of a risk reward pick too. I slot him in there right where there with like Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska, um, and behind like Dylan Parham and Zach Tom. So like yeah. late day three, early day four, I'd feel pretty good about getting him. Yeah, I think I think he'll be gone by then. But yeah, I would tend to agree. I think he played too good at the senior. Played his way up the board. Um, okay, Kalon Barnes, a cornerback out of Baylor. He set the. Uh, let's, this is an easy one. He set the combine record for defensive backs for 40. Dude, <laughs> so this guy's fast. That's why they that's why they brought him in. I'm I'm it is not much more complex than that, I don't think. Uh he's he's a he would not if he did not run that 40, I don't think there's any chance this guy would even get get drafted. His technique is all over the place. He, he changes directions like an aircraft carrier. Yeah, I was gonna say he doesn't start up super <laughs> quick. Oh. Uh, he gets injured. This is a guy that we're this is a guy we're looking at to draft in the sixth or seventh round to play special teams. And yeah. you know what? Good for us. That's that's a that's fine. I'm okay with that. If he ran like a point one second slower, like if he was a four three three instead of a four two three, then we might be able to get him as a UDFA. But he's a four two three, so he'll go like late six. Yeah, he'll go fifth or sixth. Um, <laughs> 
that you know good for the, i like stuff like this though because good for him getting himself like a nice payday by just using his athletic talents even if the he, his development as a football player is not all the way there yet and there's nothing to say that you know with that speed and his his size that he couldn't eventually be be good but right now he's a he's an end of roster <laughs> special team i'm reading i'm reading the scouting report on him and it's like here's here's the stats but here's what we saw eh, it's not good here's the stats <laughs> here's the Here's his zone coverage. Well, he doesn't really have experience in zone coverage, and he's not very good. His instincts, not very good. Ball skills, this one was disappointing. <laughs> so I think this is this is the exact same in my scouting report, except his his measurables are much better. Um, I don't know. You're pretty tall, got long arms. That's true. Yeah, you're bigger than this guy. Uh, all right, Percy Butler, Louisiana safety. Uh, this is also a special teams understudy guy. Uh, I think eventually you could develop him. He could be like the next, uh, next Deshaun Shed. Um, but this guy's awesome in special teams already. Uh, he he has like his highlight reel is like mostly special teams tackles. Yep. <laughs> so okay. so like now that's why Percy Butler, just like the last guy, Percy Butler is on our radar because he he we want to use him as like you know fringe secondary depth and. Well, who do we? Nico Thorpe. It's like it's like the torpedo, fringe secondary depth, and uh, and then great special teams play. That's that's the Percy Butler experience. Anything to add, Kevin? Uh, Eric? Nope, nailed it. Nothing. Okay, uh, Armani Rogers, tight end out of Ohio. Here's well, Armani for. Rogers. I didn't uh, didn't have time to do much Armani Rogers research. Um, I do see. I did read a scouting report that called him a developmental ta- tight end with plenty of physical skills so we're so taking you agree with fifth. that would you agree with that kevin uh yeah i remember him uh he was actually like a really well thought of um prospect going to unlv and yeah. i remember like scouting him uh a little bit on his way into college and then he went to unlv and nothing happens at unlv so <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I didn't realize he played quarterback for Ohio last season. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's a, he's doing the uh, the Tyree uh, or the the Logan Thomas, uh, Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson. Yeah, the... I mean, if we can get him as a UDFA, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. He he. Uh... Yeah, it's it's kind of like who was the Texas guy we drafted that to play tight end? The yes. we did the same thing with. Um, that's, that's kind of what, where I think we, we would, Tyrone yeah, swoops. Swoops. yeah, I think that's where we would be with, with, I mean, this guy <laughs> runs the ball though. Right. He plays quarterback. He plays cornerback. He's what can, Hey, wait, what about that? What about the quarter quarterback wide receiver guy we had? Uh, George Fant. George Fant. No, 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 no. Uh, from, uh, McElroy was that? No, McElroy was, uh, this is that a white was Alabama guy. quarterback, the guy from Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, wide receiver, QB, Seahawks. I don't know. I could figure out. I could figure this out. Um, Tanner McAvoy. McAvoy. Oh man, I was close. Yeah. Yeah. Samsonite. Tanner. We were all thinking Samsonite. Do you know? Do you know what Tanner McAvoy? Do you know what the last team he played for was? Uh, was it uh the XFL Eagles? Tampa. Yes, it was the Tampa Bay Vipers wow. of the XFL. Yeah. Yeah. So that means all he's right. still on the team when the Rock struts that up in seven years. All right. Maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Samori Toure, a wide receiver from Nebraska. Uh, this guy was a FCS super duper star. 
And then uh, he did good at it in Nebraska, especially considering how Nebraska was all over the place last year. Um, this is a guy who, who people see as kind of a, a slot, kind of short, intermediate, uh, quick hitter, route runner guy, right? So um, anything where, – where in the draft do, do you think he's going to go, Samar? Samar Samori Toure. I think he's going to go late. He's a kind of guy who um, he's not big enough to uh, work the outside. He's not he's not like big and fast enough to work the outside super well. So what he would be good at would be like he can threaten deep well enough to run like comeback routes. So if he's running like a backside dig or if he's running an underneath route, he seems like a good David Moore replacement. Uh, you saw me heard this one before, Kevin. He's a fringe wide receiver guy who would make an impact on special special teams. Yeah, that's that's what I think about. Him. I mean, All if right. he's your number five wide receiver, that seems like what you want from that guy. Christian Watson, North Dakota State. That says this it guy's all. fast four four three six. He's big six foot four. Um, this is a this What's is a measure of athletic score like nine point three. No, uh, it's, it's probably very, very good. You want me to look it up? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be close to ten. Christian Watson, nine point nine six. Yep. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, yeah. It, the thing he got dinged, the things he got dinged for. Oh, you're gonna like this. He got dinged for the his bad three cone, and his weight. So everything else is like basically his perfect. bad three oh cone. My. He was still a sub seven three cone. Six three six point three nine. Um, so it's like intermediate. It's it's good. It's not it's not elite um, in terms of wide receivers. Yeah. So okay. Um, uh, here, do you want to want to do you want to hear the relative athletic score comps that he's closest to? Okay. DK's Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Julio Jones. <laughs> DJ T- Chark. This is a really good list. Yep. Yeah. Let's, I'm okay with us drafting Christian Watson in the second round. I'll just I'll just throw that out there. Um, it's. It's um, it's not my my favorite, and he is gonna go in the second round probably. So I doubt we would be able to get him in the he's third round. He's getting first round looks. Oh, I know he's getting first round buzz, but I just don't think he's gonna make it. There's too many. Good I really wide hope receivers. he doesn't because he shouldn't. But there's too many good wide receivers that are more polished than him. Yeah, because uh, he's like twenty. He's he'll be turning twenty four next season, and he still doesn't know how to play wide receiver. Have you guys noticed something that a lot of these players have in common? They're old. old. <laughs> Seahawks <laughs> love. Old prospects. They, like the they prefer the term mature. But Watson could easily jump in right away as a number three receiver and by his second year be like a really good number two wide receiver, I think. Um, yeah, I, I'm into it. I'm fine with it. At the beginning of the second. consultant Eric Wedge. Looking if we, for and, <laughs> If we end up with a late second and Watson's there, I'm into it. If we pick him at 41, I'm fine with it. Yeah, if we trade back a bunch of times, and I don't want to pick him in the first round. Nope. There's too many good wide receivers. There's yeah. so this is the this wide receiver class is like the J- Justin Jefferson class where it's this crazy. And last year too, it's just crazy deep. There's a million guys, um, and seven of them are going to have impacts in the first Here's two the years. Thing. Uh, so Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. like I think they are extremely similar prospects. Alec Pierce is probably going to go like late round three, early round four. Yeah, but like hmm. Alec Alec Pierce has only a nine point eight <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> score, you. <laughs> and he, you know why? Because his his three cone poor, poor. It is poor. poor, poor. We could just have a uh, we could just have his, him and uh, DK running posts all day. Deal with did, it. Did Calvin Johnson run a bad three cone or something? He got it. 
Oh, he just didn't run the three cone. Good job, Calvin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm proud uh, of you. Cameron Good, pass rushing outside linebacker out of the University of California. Six and a half sacks last year. Um, I don't know anything about this guy, though. I he's, heard a, that, he's a straight uh, special teamer. UDFA. I heard that at, at Cal Pro Day. Like, he was like kind of, um, he was like the standout. Like, like he surprised people. He was better than people expected because um, he his size is not not great. Uh, so like he and he doesn't have an NFL position exactly. So like people don't know what to do with him. And then now he he did the collegiate bowl. He did this pro day, and now he's like people are he's back on the back on the radar. He's a little Jacob Martinish. Yeah. Um. Which you know that would make like. I could spend a sixth, seventh, or UDFA slot on someone a lot worse than that. I mean, I mean he did a thirty-nine inch vert. He ran a four-five-eight forty. Uh, he did a fat. He did fast shuttles and cones. Seventeen reps on the bench press. This, I mean, these are good athletic testing numbers for a, a linebacker. Yeah, he's just only um, two thirty, and he doesn't yeah. play linebacker. He plays edge. Right. It's just mm-hmm. he doesn't. Tr- he needs to either bulk up, or he needs to but get better at dropping into coverage because he was a pass rush specialist in college. So he's kind of an unknown. If you, if you can take him in the seventh or sixth and then uh, kind of mold him and, you know, start him off on special teams. And hopefully, like you said, Kevin, develop him into a situational edge rusher like Martin. That'd be, I think that's a good role. Yeah. And worst case he's, you know, he's the guy who can definitely play special teams because he's big, fast and hits people. Yeah. He's athletic too. Uh, Deontay Williams, another Nebraska um, that he, he revealed through Instagram. Uh, okay, Deontay Williams, injury machine. Yes. <laughs> this is this is why um, his nickname, you know what his nickname is? EMT. <laughs> Great grandpa. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. So when are we taking this guy? Was, uh, the Lincoln Journal star said that his nickname because was... Because our athletic trainers known for straight in these situations out. Oh, seriously. I told you guys we loved old prospects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is he grandpapa like grandmama? <laughs> I, think, I think that's kind of it, yeah. He's like Larry Johnson. Um, so, yeah, he, he did not... Um, He's just been hurt a lot. I think he would be a, a mid-round pick. His athletic testing numbers were not nothing that impressed me. His agility is really good, but his his other he's just kind of a slow. Uh, it's which is weird because his ten yard split in the forty was like seventeenth percentile for secondary players, but then his three cone and shuttle were both really good. So I don't know if that means he just got a bad start on that run or or what. Because they never actually tape those anymore. Yeah, so it's just did he slip or something? I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, yeah, he's he's a special. This is a special teams guy uh, that they're looking. You can tell they're looking at secondary players who can provide depth that would not embarrass themselves, but also can instantly be strong special teams contributors. There's a theme to all of these secondary players they're looking at. Yep. Um, there's one more secondary player, uh, Rodney Thomas from Yale, um, and I would say. That is the same thing. Um, he's he has slightly worse athletic testing than than a lot of these guys, but I do think it's it's the same idea. They're, 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 they they've picked a profile. One thing that'd be cool about getting Rodney Thomas would be how much the announcers could talk about how he went to Yale if he ever got on the field. His athletic testing wasn't, and that like, he's Xavier Thomas's brother. 
that's true too. His athletic testing wasn't wasn't uh, too bad either. Like his uh, forty was like eighty sixth percentile, and he jumped really well. He's like a so, linebacker box safety hybrid, so he's a little bit like Elano Hill. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison, and you could probably get him towards the uh, towards the end of the draft. All right, uh, Michael Clemens. I know this is the one that. There's there's a few more after this, but the Michael Clemens was a big one that I know, Kevin, you've watched a lot of. So tell us about Michael Clemens. Michael Clemens is um, worrying as somebody who's like super high on our boards because uh, he seems like the classic kind of player that the Seahawks tend to overdraft. Um, he profiles probably best as a 4-3 uh, defensive end, like a base end, which isn't really a position in our defense. Um, so I imagine he's probably going to play like lined up over the tackle in the three, four alignment, uh, his size and measurables in general are, uh, pretty similar to a recent first round bust. Oh, oh, are we talking about LJ? Well, at least Clemens has a couple pass rush moves. Like, got to give him that, man. He can uh, knock people off balance and stuff. So my the... thing with Clemens is if we can pick him up, like, day three. He can't finish any sacks. He doesn't have the athleticism. Yeah, like, he's he's like he... a pure rotational uh, defensive end. Like, he's a pure rotational 3-4 defensive end or run-stopping 4-3 base end. And I don't value that as highly as the Seahawks do. So I'm never super excited when we ask for one of those people. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'd rather I don't have know Josh the... Pascal. Like, I think Josh Pascal out of Kentucky is just the same package, only way better. I mean, his his athletic testing numbers aren't, like, horrific because he's tall. Like, his tallness makes up for, like, the the fact that he's, like, not running super fat. Everything's pretty average across the board except for height. And, like, how much do I care about how tall he is. Plus, there are character issues. Uh, he was suspended for 2020 uh, season opener because he got arrested uh, for for carrying a, unlawful carrying of a weapon. I don't know. I just don't, I'm I'm kind of done with uh, weapons arrests on the Seahawks if possible. So yeah, if we if we drafted them like with pick 153 <laughs> or whatever, like I wouldn't be upset about it because that pick's just kind of whatever. But if it was any higher than that, I would be unhappy. Um, Daniel, Daniel Hardy, 16 and a half sacks in FCS. Uh, that's, that's it. That's a guy we brought in from Montana state. Uh, yeah, they had a, they had a pro day. Um, so we got some athletic testing numbers. He did a 40 inch vertical, which is. That's a lot. Yes. That is. <laughs> yes. I, I, uh, like that is really good for a, for a, an edge pro uh, and like outside linebacker edge prospect 9.33 RAS, which is ex- exceptional considering his, his small size. This guy is a lot like the cow guy. Um, it's very similar. Yeah. Kind, kind of, of a prospect. tweener, uh, lacks an NFL role, but could be developed into one. If you yeah. can get him like crazy late, then it's always worth a flyer. Cause it'll least be a special teams guy. Yep. I will say uh, when I'm watching a guy play against FCS competition, I want to see like them like pop off the tape. Uh, when I was watching Troy Anderson, I noticed that dude. Yeah. Daniel Hardy looks good. Like I, I don't mind. I would, I wouldn't mind using an actual draft pick on him. I know some of these guys, they bring in here to like kind of 
sales pitch them. And it's like a UDFA sales pitch. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind this guy being a guy where we're like, no, we want to, we want to draft. This we'll guy. definitely we trade to... a next year six to be able to draft him this year in the seventh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm, I'm not saying that's what uh, I want to do. I'm saying that's what you will wanna, happen. You want to hear it? You want to hear a quote from Troy Anderson about Hardy? Of course I do. He's a freak athlete. You see him in the weight room and you see him every day in practice. He's mm. always impressed me. And now everyone else gets to see it too. And Troy and, and uh, Anderson, Anderson has knows something about being a freak athlete. Freak, yeah. I was gonna say if Troy Anderson calls you a freak, you're a freak because that guy's also a freak. Um, all right. And then the last guy is a, is it Derek? 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 Oh, by the way, Troy I, Anderson, relative athletic score 10. Oh yeah. So Troy dude, Anderson, knows, 10. dude knows a freak when he sees one. <laughs> Well, Daniel Hardy's is nine point three three. These guys, yeah, they're, they're they're freaks. Do you think this is Derek or Derek Young? Uh, I'm guessing it's Derek. By the way, I kind of want to just get both now, so they can be like the Bash Brothers from Mighty Ducks. Oh, so cool! The two kids. Uh, this guy has a nine point nine three relative athletic score. Uh, he went to Len- Lenore Rhine. Um, he's big, six foot three, two hundred and twenty pound wide receiver. Um, really fast, athletic, four point four four forty, thirty seven inch for eleven. 11 uh, foot broad. Like this guy's just a, a, a free. Okay. We, we fit a profile. I mean, we, these, we just brought in a bunch of freak athlete, special team fringe guys to, to look to UDFA pitch slash use late round picks on. So glad now, you know, all their names and you, you can, you can, you can not be, be slightly less surprised, but the, the guys who uh, I think from, from like a, what we might do in the draft period, Ritter is interesting. You know, like, will we, Will we make a real play to get Ritter if he's available in the late first or the second? Uh, Sauce Gardner, like obviously that's someone we're looking at at nine. Mafe, uh, these defense ends, and Walker, those are like mid-round guys that we could be looking at. Um, Cole Strange. That, so there's some names on here that that definitely kind of pop out and and I think are, are more interesting than, uh, than others. All right, uh, finally, uh, Kevin. Yep. In your, in your dream version of the Seahawks draft, uh, who who do we get at nine? Let's let, let's just let's just say who do we get at nine? And I'm gonna go with the same question at nine. Oh yeah, we're staying at nine. Who do we get in your in your dream version of the Seahawks draft? In my dream version of the Seahawks draft at nine, we're getting an offensive tackle. So I'm going with Evan Neal. False. Well. The thing is, I I would probably say so. Charles Cross is my personal favorite, but I think that uh, talk about an un-Seahawks prospect, by the way. I think Ikiakuanu <laughs> is a little more Seahawky, so I guess I will say Ikiakuanu. But I, I, you said mine, so I'm saying Charles Cross. Okay, and you're, I think Charles Cross will be available at nine, so I'm ready to hear your disappointment in the Discord. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we pick Eric. Eric, how about you? Who who, who you got it? Since I'm not really great at scouting really anyone in college football, but especially offensive tackles, and Kevin already, uh, you know, took an offensive tackle with his hypothetical pick, and we all know that we're trading down to get a tight end. Uh, I'm gonna go <laughs> sauce- running back. Uh, weird, say to, uh, weird, weird, weird way to say running back. Yeah, uh, Sauce Gardner. I will. I will hope for this amazing pick. I I do feel like this draft, since this is our last say before the draft, I think DK goes to. Maybe I don't know if it's going to be this exact thing, but like Kansas City for their for their for two picks, I I just see oh, that happening. So you like a, you have a you have a feeling, you have a premonition. Yeah, I think they're going to maybe wait uh, wait till the end of you know the very last second, or you're going to hear about it you know right before the draft. Uh, I, I I'll be 
I won't be shocked if it goes either way. I'll be like, yeah, okay, makes sense. I'll be a little right. surprised if it doesn't happen. But Sauce Gardner's my pick. My dream guy available at nine, Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, okay. I think there's a real chance that it happens, and uh, I would love it. I just want you to know, in Mel Kuyper's mock draft, he, you know who he has us picking at nine, Kevin? Uh, no, I don't. Evan Neal. So I, I, I'd be in. I think there... I think there's a chance that that, that that there's a real talented offensive tackle available. Yeah, the at, other thing I will say, what? Charles Cross, uh, not a lot different than Russell Okun when it comes to athletic profile. Hmm. No. I, Charles Cross, I think that – okay, so Pete said something during his press conference that made me think that we're not taking Charles Cross in the pre-draft presser. He said, uh, depending on which programs they come from, if they come from heavy running programs, it's not a big deal. But there's some teams that throw the ball over the yard and they're all gun runs and there's a difference to their style. Maybe more so than the QBs even. Getting in a three-point stance is a different deal. Yes. And I just I just don't think they want to take one of these wide-split two-point two stance tackles and try to turn them into uh, their style of tackle. Some other team that passes all the time is going to want Charles Cross way more than us, like the Saints or Kansas City. And you know what? They're going to get a hell of a value picking him in the middle of the first round. And I'm already mad about it, but this is just who we are. And But I think Aquano <laughs> and Neil are both good tackle prospects. I'd be happy with either of them. If, yeah, if one right. of them fell to nine, I would be very happy with either one. Strong agree on that one. But so, okay. Uh, let's get a uh, Patreon. So there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as $1.24 a month. Be like Brady, newest member of the, of the Discord, uh, and, and join up. Welcome, come Brady. hang out. Talk to us about uh, whatever you want, uh, <laughs> really. I mean, it's right now it's a lot of um, – because it's because it's the off season. It's a lot of um, DL or games that end in DLE. People uh, are <laughs> For, uh, hurdle, uh, movie dole. I don't Act-dle. know. There's two. There. I don't like that actor one. I. I feel like. Do you, so wait. When you do that one, do you just have like an IMDb tab open in a different tab or something yes. to play it? Like, oh, like. Well, I don't know. I feel like if I have to, if it's a game where I have to research, I'm out. I'm, 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 <laughs> out. I'm way out. I, if I want to be able to play these like while I'm on the toilet. Uh, that's 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 my good to have goals in life my level of engagement with uh with these ones so all right thanks to the supporters andy brett do it all for the tucci evan Floctimus, greta james jose lucas ryan timothy tom emmanuel astro blake uh washington fish quest greatest youtube fish show of all time bob casey daniel david Foles, jay leon michelle michael mike mike richard thomas warwolf brandon nick Everyone else who supports the show. Uh, big props to Joel also. He made us a, a new song, but I'm not debuting it till the new season. Or if I get really excited about the draft picks, <laughs> then, I, then, I, then I, might, I might change it. If they like have like a draft that I feel like has like 2020, 2012 levels of upside, then yeah, then I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe, we'll maybe debut new music, but we got to save it for, for when you, okay. New movie this week starring uh, Nicolas Cage, Pedro Pascal, uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent drops this week. Nicholas Cage only in theaters or buy online for 20 bucks, right? Can't you watch it online for 20 bucks right now? Oh, can you? If you can, I, I maybe so. I will. I believe so. I believe you can go on like Vudu and watch. Oh, it's a it's a pre-order. Never mind. Uh, I think it's like coming to streaming not very long. It's like you don't, you're not going to have to wait long. I will be like, seeing this so- one in theaters, though, most likely. 
to to pay, you have to pay for it though. That is one thing I I do know. It's because it's Lionsgate. It's not coming to like Paramount Plus or HBO Max or whatever. All right. So in honor of that, we've already done the Cage Eliminator. I think it's now time for the Cage Five. Uh, that's right. Five our five favorite cages. Um, and there's a lot of different directions you can go with this. You know, you can go with the the actual best movies, or you can go with the cagiest movies. Um, so it's it's really hard to decide like which direction do you want to take this. Um, do you want to take it in a cagey direction or do you want to take it in a in like a best movie direction? So I think I'm going to start in honor of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> you kind of need to take it in both directions. This is true. Well, we're, we're going to see what happens here. So, uh, Eric, I'm gonna, you're, you're going to lead us off. What's up? What's your what's your get us in the cage, man? Get us in the cage. What What are we doing here first? This is so hard because there's two movies that I want to put up here. And we oh, Eric, all know. We know it's both your and Ichiro's favorite movie That's... is what you're going to say. <laughs> well, here, there's 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 two movies I'm going for, and I fought really hard in the Cage Eliminator for both of these. The two movies are Wild at Heart and Face Off. Now, Wild mm-hmm. at Heart is a David Lynch movie, so it's already crazy. Then you put Nicolas Cage in. This is when you didn't know Nicolas Cage was crazy. You just thought he was like, oh, he's an up-and-coming actor, and he's doing some independent films. Can't wait to see him in a stupid movie like Con Air. He's going to be great. Uh, and then you have Face Off, arguably the greatest dumb action movie of all time. And we all know how much <laughs> I love dumb movies. Ugh, and I don't know if you guys are going to go with either one of these for like four or five. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess you're, you're 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 I would guess you're going to be saving one of these movies from not being in the Fave five. Yeah. So you got to make it. I mean, you got to make a choice. here. The other star of uh, um, a Face Off precludes me from being able to like that movie so you already know how i feel yes i i, I don't mind Even face with off, john like, woo it doesn't make up for the fact that travolta is the worst because it's because it's american john woo that's why <laughs> oh wait wait american john woo isn't all bad have you seen hard target thank uh, you <laughs> have you seen broken arrow have you hard seen target is hard targets we broken arrow not that bad no it, these aren't fine. the worst movies they're just they're pa- just paycheck. not classic john woo pa- paycheck not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. That is like a solidly average movie. If you're looking for a fine action, <laughs> we got a movie, lot of three out of fives on this. This is <laughs> this is for the American John Woo Eliminator. We'll we'll keep that. I'm gonna go with Face Off. I'm going Face Off. Oh, yeah, I love it. Why face not? Off is Why a not? Great choice. Because also, um, I'll say this about the movie. Then we can move on if you want to. But this is where Nicolas Cage is being Max Cage while also trying to act. And honestly, I, I feel like he pulls it off. He's he's doing two roles. It's it's max. Not only is it maximum cage, but it's also um, it's also like it's sort of a good movie. I don't love Face Off like a lot of people do. Um, it is immensely and watchable. I, 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 How's that? And I'm a big John Woo fan, but it is very watchable yes. movie. I agree with that. And like it is just it is cage when he's face wiping people and talking in the accents. <laughs> it is just cage at his, the the peach innuendos uh, with the sex. <laughs> I mean that they put "Call this Me is, by Your Name" to shame, man. They, <laughs> <laughs> this this is a man who just loves produce, paint. Nathan. Oh, he loves okay. produce. He's uh, he he also likes uh, ripe produce. He's not trying to get in early in spring when peaches aren't in season. All right, Kevin, hit me with hit me with a, hit me with Ghost Rider. <laughs> or Ghost Rider 2, Kevin. A true 0% chance. Um, okay, well, I'll say this. Ghost Rider is the dumbest movie ever. And it Perhaps, leans yeah. right into it, though, which I like. I like that they know how stupid that movie is from the first minute. I respect that. 
Anyway, uh, we're not picking Ghost Rider. Man, there's some really hard choices but Ghost, here. But Ghost Rider, Ghost of Vengeance? <laughs> it, that movie just sucks. Um, so uh, I have a few that are really high on my list right now. National Treasure is, of course, a national treasure. Um, the Rock is uh, Michael Bay's best movie. So that's always under consideration. Uh, Con Air is a personal favorite. Raising Arizona is an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drive Drive Angry is the most unintentionally funny movie of all time. <laughs> that is unintentionally very funny. Um, Matchstick Men is better than it has any right to be. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with a very recent movie, though, because I love what the movie did, and I thought it was one of his best pure acting performances in a very long time. I'm going to go with Pig uh, from 2021. I knew it. I knew it. I should oh, have called this. Pig, Pig over Mandy? Yeah, I, I think it's just a better movie. I think Mandy's right. good, but I think Pig is way better. Okay. What do you love about Pig? Uh, Pig, so because Cage is, has his uh, bona fides as an action star, um, and the way that the movie was set up, you have an expectation. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't get a lot of things to really care about is the tagline for the movie. And uh, it's set up as him, like, in search of his beloved foraging pig after it's kidnapped because he plays a truffle hunter. So you think it's going to be like this cage revenge actiony movie and it shows them all beat up in the previews and everything. And then the movie starts and I'm not going to spoil everything, but I'm going to say that this is a very I've heard well crafted movie. Go in blind to this movie is what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, very little. It has some very uh, poignant moments. It has uh, some great dramatic acting. And in the times when he's called on, to uh like channel those like action and thriller elements he's at the top of his game i think that it's one of his best performances in a movie that plays with your expectations of a nick cage movie all right um so i've been waiting for a long time to have opportunity to talk about this movie uh now you guys are forced to listen to me talk about valley girl no i'm just kidding um okay (laughs) valley girl's not that bad and so I didn't want to bring it up. Okay, well, it's hard for me because, like, I know my only chance to get to get Vampire's Kiss into the into the <laughs> top five is to do it right now, to do it myself, and then try to scam some of the other movies. I he actually does want the in. whole alphabet. He doesn't uh, because stop. You can't, you can't stop it. Just E or F, it, Kevin. The thing about like Vampire's Kiss or like Snake Eyes and like these like movies where cage is just off his rocker and i mean okay if you had to choose between vampire's kiss and snake eyes which one would you pick vampire's Eric? kiss okay yeah i think yeah, so too Sna- i try i watched but- snake eyes like three years ago and that movie is i remember i, I was like 17 18 when i saw that movie i was like oh that's pretty good no it's also much more watchable than uh um than the wicker man remake oh well okay <laughs> the thing about snake eyes is that like it's it's nicholas cage and brian de palma so you know it's gonna be like a lot something <laughs> it's gonna be something it's gonna else. be long and drawn out <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a lot actually that movie's only like 98 minutes long it feels two and a half hours that was my review three years ago <laughs> it's the longest it, hour and a half you've ever seen it's because of all the cocaine they were doing all right i'm gonna put vampire's kiss in um because vampire's kiss is like b movie schlock at its um it's so funny it's I don't okay, and here's the thing: people act like this movie's not funny on purpose. Like they're aware of what's happening here, and I think at this point we know Nicolas Cage is a good enough actor that like 
he knows what he's do- doing. He he's doing a, a thing. set of fake plastic vampire teeth and puts it in his mouth, practicing biting things like a vampire. You can't write that scene and not know what it looks like. Yeah, uh, this this is. Can you? OK, he, so someone he wrote, runs through a park shouting, I am a vampire over and over again. I mean, it's it's a meme, but like people who people who uh, think that Nicolas Cage is doing a bad job acting this movie just don't understand what's happening. It's this is like a this is like Cage Unleashed, the ma- maximum cage, the most cage you can get. <laughs> this is this is peak cage. There's there will never be more cage than this. Um, and I love it. It's a funny movie and I, I have a blast every time I watch it. So, yeah, um, there it's in. Now we vampires kiss. Put it in the Louvre. So uh, a movie that you uh, uh, that will not get on this list and shouldn't get on this list. But have both of you seen Willy's Wonderland? I have. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not a, not, not not that much cage in that movie. Okay. So Willy's Wonderland. Um, basically, take a typical teeny bopper slasher movie, put it inside of the game Five Nights at Freddy, and then make Nick Cage play the silent protagonist. It is insane. It is delightful, and it is not as good of a crazy Nick Cage as Vampire's Kiss, and so it doesn't deserve the spot. But I just would like to bring that up as a ridiculous movie that exists. So, okay, how come from like 20, 2008 to 2018, like Nicolas Cage just seemed so bored with every movie that he was making? Like all those movies from that time period are just not and- – uh, they're just not like they. It just seemed like he. But then now he's back. We're in the cage. Cage genre. So in cage genre. In an interview, he said that he only takes roles that he wants. He's turned down a lot of big action or big uh, Hollywood movie. He he said. Now that could be a retort to being in a lot of Bruce Willis esque movies, just kind of like doing it for a pay, the paycheck because he had tax problems. But at the same time, like all good actors, and I think Nick Cage is a good actor. If you put him in the right film, he's awesome in it. But everyone kind of has their height, their dip. Sometimes they have their low, which Cage has been. And then they have their comeback. Hollywood loves a comeback. There's another piece to this. Um, he actually had a really hard time with the uh, uh, when the financial market collapsed. He was uh, invested in real estate. He ended up, I think at one point, like $14 million in debt to the IRS. Yeah. And he was also paying some uh, medical expenses for family members and things. So for a while there, he was collecting paychecks. And that shows in the performances that he had in the movies he was in. And I'm really glad to have him back being an actor because he's a good one. But I think there was probably about a decade long stretch there where he literally just had to go do a job to make money. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make a sales pitch. There's a movie where Joaquin Phoenix plays a character named Max California. And Peter Stormare <laughs> plays a character named Dino Velvet. I this. <laughs> This movie is too much of a downer. I can't do it. Yeah, it's 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 a hard watch. I was yeah, just real, I just wanted to mention that watch. I just wanted to mention that Peter Stormare plays a character named Dino Velvet. In, in the <laughs> the best part about that movie though is Nick Cage. Um, another movie. No, the best part of that movie is Peter Stormare, dude. Peter Stormare is so good. I love Peter Stormare. I would like if I was making a movie. I think like the the second actor I would I would uh, cast is Peter Stormare. Just to do I don't even care what he's doing. He could just sit there and like read to me. Okay. Uh, let's let's get let's knock out some contenders here. Okay, we got Kick Ass. That's gonna definitely gonna be in the mix. Uh, I think um, we could. We, Mandy's probably not gonna make it. Raising Arizona. 
Yep, should Kubiak's be in the mix. Gonna be, gonna be in the mix. Uh, does anyone want to stump for adaptation, or is that just out? Um, out? I won't be. Okay. Um, I know people really like this movie. Yeah, I'm not a big Aronofsky person, so or uh, no, that's Spike Jones. It's it's Spike Jones, yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's like a good movie. Like I would give it a four or three and a half, but it's just it's not on the level of enjoyment I get from these other movies. Uh, Okay, it doesn't have national power for me. National Treasure, obviously. Yep. Um, all time great, all time great movie and meme. Con Air and The Rock. I I think you can make someone. Someone could make like a small case for Lord of War, I think, which is like a pretty good movie, but one that I think. That I rewatched it recently and it wasn't as good as I, re- I remembered. Gone in 60 uh, Seconds is way more watchable than it has a right to be. Okay. I do enjoy Gone in 60 Seconds. I would agree with that. And then have either of you seen Red Rock, Red Rock West? Uh, a long time ago, Kevin. It's a, a early 90s. It uh, yeah. It's an early 90s like uh, like neo-noir um, where Dennis Hopper plays a hitman. Uh, if you like neo-noirs, it's a really good movie. It's not going to make this list, and I know why, but I think it's a movie that's very worth watching. I'm going to tell you why we should not pick Gone in 60 Seconds. It's just like it's like um, off-brand Fast and the Furious. It's not it's as good as The Rock, too, and so I think I think The Rock would get there directly over that movie for me. Okay, so uh, Eric, what, what what are you thinking? Which one which one of these movies hits for you the, the hardest? Or I think the, is, it, it's got to be cagey too. Don't National Treasure to get in the catch. National Treasure is probably going to be one of these two. I'm stumping for Wild at Heart. I really love that movie. It's it's my favorite David Lynch movie. It's the most rewatchable David Lynch movie. If you want a cagey movie, this is a super cagey movie, especially if you watch like the extended cut, um, where he's he's he like. He says something to a group of guys, they beat him up, and then suddenly he just like gets up out of nowhere. He's like super bloody and he's like, I'm sorry for referring to you boys as a bunch of homosexuals. And then he shouts his woman's name. It's super cagey. Um also just something about that movie is just it's like the only David Lynch movie that I'll be like, you know what? This is a complete film. It's bonkers nuts, and Cage fits right in. Also, what a rad cast as yeah, Nick Cage, at- Laura Dern, Willem Dafoe, Crispin Glover's in it, Diane Ladd. Yeah. Uh, uh, Harry Dennis, Dean Stanton. Dennis Hopper, uh, like you said, Willem oh, Dafoe. No. Everyone's in Harry this D- thing. Harry Dean Stanton is in, is in everything. That's that's like... A- <laughs> I know, that's a lot the of, best part. <laughs> a lot of great characters in this movie. Yeah, I love that movie, and I think The Rock is probably going to be in our discussion as well, because, Kay. you know, it's pretty... I think- Okay, so I think there's like two. Uh, there's okay, so The Rock and Con Air, I feel like, are working very similar angles. Um, we already have Face Off in the in the Eliminator, and that's also. I feel like those three movies all kind of go together. They're like the quintessential essential '90s Cage movies. Do we need another one of those in this in this five? Even though I think you guys both know, I love The Rock. I think yeah. The Rock <laughs> is a fine movie, but I don't. He's not super cagey. And Con Air Special in my heart. That's one that I will always like. But because Face Off is in there, the two I'd be stumping for right now are National Treasure and Raising Arizona. I think uh, Raising Arizona, Arizona is a quintessential Coen Brothers movie. Uh, I love his role in there. Him and Holly Hunter are both excellent. Um, the uh, the entire uh, John Goodman situation in that yes. movie is uh, is excellent. And if we're going to go small indie, early indie movie, even though Raising Arizona wasn't super indie, I feel like then if it are you pitting Raising Arizona against Wild at Heart? And at that point, you're probably picking Raising Arizona. Um, OK, I I want I really like Kick-Ass. I think like also Nicolas Cage is, is and his relationship with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is like 
the the actual good part of this movie. It's like the heart of the movie. The Aaron Taylor. I would agree, Johnson but it's not the focus of the is, movie. Is Ite, and I think like it. It's a uh, cage cage rules in this movie, and I do feel like it was like the the beginning of modern cage. Does that make sense? Like this is when Cage like started cage. to. I don't know if like he did some bad movies after this. Don't get me wrong, but it felt like okay. There's still some good stuff in here. Yeah, there right? was like, like the one good, like the one really watchable, really good movie slash performance that he I mean, sprinkled in in all the crap. After this, he made like you know Left Behind and and that USS Indianapolis and uh, Pay the Ghost, like all these crappy movies he made after. Oh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, can't leave that one out. Drive Angry. Got to got to give Disney Drive Season Angry of rules. the Witch. Don't ever say anything about Drive. The one where he's famous <laughs> for eight seconds in the future, or he can he can see things. Um, the frozen ground. <laughs> the dialogue's bad. The plot is bad. The movie is boring and it shouldn't be. But drive angry rules because it's just so stupid. Bangkok it's dangerous. So... What was the? Wasn't no, there was a movie before. where? Wasn't yeah, Bangkok dangerous. No, there was oh some. There was some crap before this. This is like the one piece of goodness sprinkled in and all. The oh no, crash. the Croods is pretty good. Don't don't leave don't leave the, the Croods out. Right. I kind of wish he did. I, like... <laughs> I kind of wish he did more voice acting. That would have been a, a good way to get I, money back. I've been forced to watch the Croods because of uh, you know I have small children and it's it's like it's, it's like a surprisingly fine. A uh, very very average adult movie. Okay, so um, I'd say the one that we have the most consensus on are National Treasure and Raising Arizona. Um, those are the ones we have like strongest feelings about in in unison. Would you guys agree with that? I yeah. Would. All right, then we'll put them in National Treasure. We didn't say a lot about it. We've done a movie club on National Treasure before. It is it's I mean, peak it cage. The hype. It is a National Treasure. It's peak. It's peak popcorn cinema. It, it's um. <laughs> It really needs to there. We really need National Treasure three. It's like Disney, this kind of adventure Disney movie. Like they tried to do something like this recently with the what was that movie with the rock in it? The Jungle um, Cruise or whatever. Jungle Cruise. That Disney that that kind of Disney adventure movie is the kind of movie that I think doesn't really exist as much. And then Jumanji, well, uh, Welcome to the Jungle brought it kind of brought it back. And then they tried to do it again with the Jungle Cruise, but didn't work. And the movie was not good. But National Treasure is the kind of movie that I really want. An Disney adventure movie, pump, right? Pumping out like these fun, um, adventure like just just silly. Like the, the, the plot of this is just so goofy. I mean, he says he's going to steal the Declaration of Independence, and then he does. So I don't know. Yeah. I find it quite enjoyable. Oh, and what about... Um, the, the the casting in this movie rules. Uh, Harvey Keitel as the as the like the, <laughs> the guy trying to. Uh, and we got Christopher Plummer in, in like a limited role, but then John Voight as his dad. Uh, Sean Bean is the bad guy. I don't know. Just it's fun movies. Yeah. Fun movie. Very National enjoyable. Treasure. Uh, Raising Arizona. Uh, a Coen Brothers, an older uh, Coen Brothers comedy. Uh, just I don't know. some I, really bizarrely fun. funny moments, uh, yeah, like exactly. situational comedy. Um, it does a good job of like all the dramatic and action elements hit like the the climax, the climax of that movie with the biker and everything is literally insane and very well done. There's a lot of like quotable lines in this movie, uh, like um, just just like you go right back up there and get me a toddler. Like there's just like <laughs> stuff that 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 people say in this movie is funny. Kind of in the same way, like when he like, when he uh, when he uh, robs the uh, the gas station, I'll be taking these huggies and whatever cash you got. Son, you got a panty on your head. Like, like, there's this is there's one of like, the original like uh, indie movies that people were like, oh, have you seen this movie that no one's heard about? 
yeah it was cult class uh, cult cult classic yeah. um so yeah this um there's just this movie's funny and it has good lines um you could you'll just be laughing the whole time uh, i very enjoyable movie all right so there it is uh edwina's insides were a rocky place where my seed could find no purchase, <laughs> no purchase. <Yeah. laughs> That's just, all right uh we did not and uh, you know what props to us for never mentioning me- never mentioning uh, leaving Las Vegas. So for, <laughs> for Eric, for Kevin, we will uh, see you guys next week. Go Hawks.